Hi, welcome to the Savannah Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Dee Daniels. I'm also the communications director at Cliffmers Realty in downtown historic Savannah, Georgia. If you're a fan of our regular episodes, you know that we love to introduce you to people that are in the Savannah area or are planning to be in the Savannah area, choosing to be here. We love to tell their stories. And in telling those stories, sometimes we run across people and businesses and nonprofit organizations that have quite a unique story to tell, one that maybe pulls at the heartstrings. And that's why we've started a series called Savannah Speaks from the Heart. So excited to welcome our next guest to the podcast, Zarek Samples from Habitat for Humanity. Zarek, I have been so eager to have you on this podcast. I'm glad we're sitting down to do this. <laughs> Thank you, Dee, so much for the invitation. I think our connection goes back to Rambo Shea. It does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Hops for Habitat. That's so right. I'm so glad to be at this place with you today. I am so glad you're here. Uh, you have such a great reputation in this community. Uh, Habitat for Humanity is so ingrained in our community. And I want to talk about the relationship that you have uh, with just so many different parts of the community. But tell me, you're relatively new to working for Habitat and being yes. being the CEO there. And, and how did that come about? So a little more than, well, about two years ago now, uh, I had an opportunity uh, to apply for this position. And to be honest with you, I didn't think I was qualified for it, to be honest. Really? I, I had been serving as a chief development officer um, for Coastal Georgia Community Action down in Brunswick, Georgia, which is my hometown. And I was really uh, eagerly uh, uh, trying to figure out how can I continue to be a servant in my community. And I was under great tutelage of my CEO, then Therese Hamilton, and, and all of the various. We had over 250 employees that covered nine counties. Uh, we oversaw the Head Start program, weatherization program, and community service program for those nine counties. And it was just an absolute pleasure to serve so many people across so many uh, counties. And I, I just really enjoyed it. And so when this call came, I was like, oh, this is not for me. Right. Uh, I don't have <laughs> I don't have the previous experience. You know, this would be a brand new endeavor for me. And there was a board member who had more faith in me than I had in myself. Mm. And he said, you are the person for the position. Um, he said, I think you should really consider, you know, applying for the position. Uh, and, and I did. And uh, I never forget looking at. I now know it was the finance director. I'm not the finance director, the um, treasurer for the board. Uh, in the interview, he looked at me. He basically said, yeah, <laughs> he's the man for the job. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know all of that at that particular moment, at that particular time. But uh, it really showed me sometimes you have to believe. Sometimes you have to have people around you who believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Mm. Um, so that was in August of, of 2020. And in September, on the 27th day, uh, I started my first day with the Coastal Empire Habitat for Humanity. That, I mean, it's amazing to me because, I, you know, I saw your, your bio and I'm looking at it, that it has been, you know, just a short time. And yet you seem like the person for the job. Like you just seem like to me, just, just meeting you a few times, it's been like, wow, this is the guy. Like this is the guy with the heart and the passion and... This is the guy you want in a situation like Habitat where 
it's it's such a growing widespread organization and it really you really want to reach as many people as you can obviously and you just seem like you just fit like a glove i mean <laughs> it's fantastic it really is and you bring such joy uh to everything you're doing every event you guys do i can see your passion on your face and i can feel it you know in your conversation and i'm i'm assuming that the community feels it as well because it's it's pretty apparent well, Savannah's given so much to me. This is my second stint back in Savannah. Uh, earlier, I let you know that I was from Brunswick, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, I knew that my parents taught us that education was something that no one could ever take from you. And it almost would be your key to better opportunities. And so my mom and dad both agreed that oh, they encouraged me um, to follow my education. But my mom had stipulations. <laughs> She said, I could not go more than an hour away. Mm. Well, when you look at Brunswick, there are not many uh, colleges or universities um, outside of uh, the coastal, um, College of Coastal Georgia. Right. There are not many colleges that, that are in that vicinity. Yeah. And so uh, I really didn't have too much of a choice. Right. <laughs> but to come to uh, Armstrong Atlantic State University in 2007. Yeah. Uh, and so. I love that she gave you a zone on a map. She did. She said, I needed to be able to make it to you within an hour. Yes. Um, just in case anything go wrong. Yes. And so my dad. As, as, as a real man did, he said, I, I, I agree with your mother. <laughs> what she said. <laughs> so uh, I got my undergrad, um, a bachelor's in science, and a master's in education from Armstrong. And I loved Savannah and stayed for about two, two and a half years, I want to believe, um, and worked here in the area with the YMCA of Coastal Georgia. Nice. Uh, under uh, Randy Bugas. And so we, we had a very unique partnership and just kind of allowed me to really get ingrained with the community, uh, whether it was at the public school system and at the school program. I just kind of fell in love with the progression that Savannah was embarking on. Um, and really, when I when I left to go back home um, to serve in other capacities, it was like a tear, you know, because I hadn't gotten ingrained in Savannah, whether it was with the NAACP, whether it was um, with the Rotary Clubs, um, pledging Omega South Fraternity Incorporated. You know, it was a lot of things that I just got ingrained into the community. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, picking up and leaving and going back home to some place that I was previously familiar with, but no longer as ingrained, um, just seemed to be a, a tear. And so um, I feel like I, I was speaking with um, a good friend of mine, Tyler, uh, from the JCs, and he was like, "Well, you're a son of Savannah." I was like, "I'm a son. I'm a son of Southeast Georgia." Right. I, I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yes, I do have deep roots in Brunswick and McIntosh County, but I also have set some really, really strong roots in Savannah as well. Yeah, and it's really interesting because uh, your roots are about to get even deeper. I hear you're engaged, so. Um, that's uh you're about to get more roots (laughs) more roots absolutely (laughs) um so uh and it's so funny she and i both met at armstrong oh i love it we are pirates as as we say we were ships passing in the night yes (laughs) uh so yeah we have been dating for a little less than three years and uh on her birthday last year i asked for her hand in marriage um Mm -hmm. on the 
beaches of Tulum, Mexico. Ooh. So it was a very beautiful day, and I think it was just the right timing for where we were in our space in life. And so we're super excited about what that life looks like in the future. Oh, no doubt. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful new chapter of your life. I want to talk a little bit about Habitat. Um, you know, your journey with Habitat obviously is has been fantastic so far, and I know it's going to continue to grow. Habitat for Humanity, you know, is so well known. It's got, like I said, such a great reputation just nationally. I mean, just across the board, you know, when you hear it, you think of people helping other people, mm-hmm. you know, and and building homes and, and that sort of thing. But I think, you know, spending some time with Habitat, I don't think, you know, everybody's familiar with all of the things, all of the arms of Habitat. And I want to talk a little bit about that. The The mission for Habitat going into a community and really just holding hands with the people that are there that is such a big deal across the board, but in Savannah, you're seeing it firsthand. Talk a little bit about that process and, and how it goes. So when you look at the mission of Habitat for Humanity, it states we bring people together to build homes, community, and hope. And um, any organization um, has a mission and a vision statement, but I have truly been able to embrace this mission like um, no other mission before, um, simply because when you when you think about building a home, right? You building a home for not just to build a home and to sell it. Habitat for Humanity is building a home for a family mm-hmm. to create generational wealth, to move individuals from a place of being uh, a part of the low to middle class to possibly figure out ways and avenues to bring them to the middle or the high class. Uh, we are inspiring hope because not only do we build a home for individuals, but we also educate the families to make sure that they're fully self-sufficient when they move into their home. A part that I will tell you, I was very naive about the true essence of Habitat for Humanity um, prior to working here. But I felt like individuals were given homes, mm. like it was just a, a handout program. And, you know, I saw the ribbon cuttings and, you know, I saw that the community came together and I was like, oh, this is so great. They saw this person who was in need and must have needed a home. And so they built this home for this family. Well, that is partially true. But when you go back to the fact that Habitat for Humanity is a nonprofit lender, you see that you, you start to have more questions like, OK, if they're a lender, then they're not giving the home away. Right. <laughs> and we're not. So what we're doing is we prepare um, individuals who want to become first time home buyers in like one of the best situations possible. We educate these individuals with financial uh, literacy. Um, when we talk about their legal rights um, as a new homeowner, we want to make sure that they have a, like estate planning. So a last will and testament, mm-hmm. as well as how to work on this project, home maintenance. Um, I remember renting in college and would they would say, hey, my toilet is stopped up or, hey, the door seemed like it has a crack at the bottom. And so you would make those requests, mm-hmm. anticipate a repairman coming to right. fix you. Da, 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 right. Well, that's a little bit different when you move into home ownership. Yeah. You know, that's not just a call to the front office or the front desk. Right. You have to go out and make those relationships. And if you don't know how to fix it yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just a mindset shift shift of moving individuals from a place where, you know, some somebody else will come and do this or handle this because this is their property. No, this is your property and it's your obligation to make sure that you uphold this this particular property. Um so when you talk about 
people know Habitat. Yes, they do know Habitat as being a, a great nonprofit in the area that's been around for years. And many people think that Jimmy Carter actually was the founder of Habitat for Humanity. Unfortunately, he is a great supporter, yeah. but he did not. But he was not one of the founders yeah. of Habitat for Humanity. Linda uh, and... Um, and, and Miller Fuller were actually the founders of Habitat for Humanity. And so it's, it's, it's so great to kind of enlighten individuals about the true essence of Habitat um, and, and figure out how we can truly come together and create home ownership, affordable home ownership yeah. for our community. It's true. And, I, you know, some of the things you were talking about as far as all of these like different categories of like helping, you know, educate and, and providing tools and, and you know, in these little, they're not little, but these little things where you where you think, okay, home ownership and learning that, but the finance piece and the and the you know beyond the ownership of the house, right. financial piece. I mean, you don't just get people to the house; you hold their hand beyond in the process. Absolutely. I love that. I mean, I think that makes such a big difference in our community. It's not just here are the keys. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs> exactly. It continues. Because think about it. Even um, you and I as homeowners, right? They're great things. We've had experiences where we've you know owned a home or what have you, but there's still things that we don't quite know all the answers to. Yeah. And our whole goal is to not to be that resource, but to be conduits of resources right. for those individuals so that once you do own your home, then you find out who in your community you can rely on to assist you with the things that you don't know or the things that you can't do. Right. It, it's true. Yeah. And so uh, you talked about um, one of the things I want to highlight is the fact that, yes, we get the individuals to a place where they can purchase the home, but then... And we, we, we've kind of broken our education department into three different areas. So we understand that there are many people who apply for Habitat for Humanity, but for whatever reason, whether it be uh, credit history, whether it be debt to income, whether it be um, not having enough um, monthly income for the household, we want to work with those individuals. Because if we see that there are two or three things that, you know, just not uh, stop them from um, being a partner family, then we want to figure out how can we help them with that. So we use our banking relationships to help those individuals go through classes on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. to prepare uh, to apply again for Habitat for Humanity and be a part of our um, partner family. And in that partner family phase, we, we talk about the financial education, but then we also do monthly combs. I call it combs. Um, basically, we go through your bank statements and we say, hey, let's look at how are we saving? Let's see where our, you know, a lot of times I know growing up, I was like, man, seems like as soon as I get paid, my paycheck is gone. Mm-hmm. Well, what are the habits that we've become accustomed to that seems to just just to suck life out of our paychecks, yeah. you know? Or suck the paycheck completely out, <laughs> out, of, out of the account. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, but it, sometimes because we, we we're in such a routine about things mm-hmm. and we know that this is what we feel like we need in our life, yes. you know, we are oblivious to some of those things like, hey, do you really need a cup of coffee every morning right. from Dunkin' Donuts? Right, exactly. There's no way you can go and purchase that at, 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 at uh, one of your local grocers. <laughs> and have it prepared and have it at home, yeah. you know, 
Or do you really need coffee? Can you drink water in the morning? Mm-hmm. You know, people are like, oh, I can't live without coffee. I think you can. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to think back, you know, uh, like my first job and the first paycheck. You mm-hmm. know, and you think about getting a paycheck for $250 or whatever a million years ago. And you thought we were balling. We thought we were <laughs> riding high. And 95% of it we spent on a pair of jeans yes. and, and, you know, new tennis shoes. Mama and, shoes, yeah. Yes, tennis shoes. me too. And, you know, it's it's just as a homeowner, you know, once you put your adult pants on and you're like, okay, I, I'm going to do this, you do have to look at those things. Yeah. I mean, even us, you know, as homeowners for a while and as life goes along right. and you have kids or get married or whatever the case may be, you do have to go back and look at those things. And I love that you guys are doing that, especially with new homeowners right. and saying, here's how we got to look at it. And the comb through process, yeah. I, I like a lot too. One of the things I'm really big on diversity. I believe that when you, right now, as, as we are sitting here, there is a computer between the two of us, right? Mm-hmm. I see that there's a computer, but you can see what's on the computer screen. Right. And that just shows that people sitting in different seats have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And when you can have a collaborative conversation about what's going on, about the computer, the computer hadn't changed, right? But it's your viewpoint of it, yeah. And so having somebody who can have a different viewpoint of it and could and can we can come to a conclusion of how to get the best result out of using this computer. It's a beautiful computer, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was definitely serve a purpose, but for me, is look, it could be just a paperweight, but for you, it is a, an opportunity to really process information, yeah, and 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 to keep you know the podcast and everything going, yeah. So in that same sense. Having somebody who serves as our um, homeowner administrator will help individuals who are first-time homebuyers and say, hey, listen, you know, um, I know you guys are planning on purchasing another car, but is it the right time right now? Mm -hmm. You know, can you just fix on this car until you get ready to close your house and then you evaluate your finances at that point? Yeah. Because everybody like the latest new, you know, Jeep or, you know, a G-Wagon, if you will. but can we really afford it? And if we can afford the, the first payment, can we sustain it over the three to mm-hmm. five years, whatever lease that you lease or, or uh, arrangement that you come up with? Right, right. And so it's, it's kind of like having somebody just to kind of give you those second set of eyes mm-hmm. to say, let's let's reevaluate this and, and figure out how can we afford you to live the best life possible. And that's yeah. what it's really about, trying to figure out and helping individuals live their best life. And how many times did we as, you know, 20-something-year-olds wish we had a second, third, fourth set of eyes <laughs> to help us look at something and say, you know, do you really need this right, right now? Because right. sometimes, you know, parents gave us a little leeway mm-hmm. and we, you know, didn't make the greatest decisions. Right. So, I mean, what a great tool to be able to give people in our community. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the, the the housing community here in Savannah and what your thoughts are as where we stand right now. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people want to know about what the application process is like to get in uh, to a Habitat home. What what does that even look like? And maybe they don't understand, you know, how you even get into that circle. Um, and also, you know, you also see that there are a lot of people struggling paying rent and, you know, not owning a home and they may not think that they are eligible for something like that. Um, you know, how do we reach those people and, and what can we say to them? Absolutely. So when you, the, the, to answer the first question is what does our landscape look like? Mm-hmm. Um, the mayor put it very eloquently that we have about a 15,000 
unit um, housing crisis, as I call it. Um, individuals, uh, Savannah is a beautiful place and everybody is flocking here, but do we really have the infrastructure to make sure that individuals have the necessary tools to sustain themselves here? And a lot of that starts with housing. And so it is uh, imperative that we continue to build and not just Habitat bill, but CHSA bill and uh, private developers bill. Um, the thing that Habitat does is we try to figure out how can we build and take advantage of every down payment assistance, um, maybe offered through the city municipalities, um, or if there's ways for us to decrease the cost of the construction of the home. Um, so, so that was the first question mm -hmm. t t that you asked. The second question is the application process. So Habitat for Humanity looks at three things. Are you willing to partner? Do you have the ability to pay? And do you have the need? And we always start with the need mm -hmm. because we believe that we want to be uh, fiduciarily responsible um, with the resources that both our community um, and our, our, our donors um, are gifting us, right? Uh, who wants to put funds or money into some place where somebody could be living on the island? No doubt. Right? Yeah. We want to we make sure that all boats rise, but we're not trying to, you know, uh, bum rush somebody ahead, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so we always start with the need. If individuals are living in substandard living conditions, if they're living in overcrowded conditions, and or they are living um, where they're paying more than 30% of the household income to the actual uh, housing situation. Um, we believe that individuals should be paying less than 30% of the household income, whether it be a two-parent or one-parent income home. Um, the ability to partner, Habitat for Humanity requires each partner family to uh, put in 350 hours of sweat equity. And sweat equity is volunteerism, whether they be at the construction site, whether they be at uh, our restore, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit, or whether it be for um, any kind of special programs that we may have or assistance in our administrative offices. Um, in addition to the willing to partner, we require, as I spoke to earlier, monthly check-ins where we're combing through your finances. And then there are also monthly classes that individuals mm -hmm. have to take typically an hour and a half, an hour to an hour and a half, uh, typically on the third Thursday. When you look at that, it's about, probably about an additional 15 hours a month that you have to figure out how to squeeze that into your time. Yeah. And that's funny because, you know, sometimes people are working two jobs. Um, sometimes when you have children, uh, and they have play sports and oh by the way you're involved in your community mm -hmm. and you attend church. Yeah. You know, it's kinda hard to figure out how to prioritize what I'm gonna do. But when you look at the grand scheme of things and say, un understand that your health, your wealth, your education, everything begins with the home. Yeah. You figure out ways to make that happen. And that's why I've partnered with a lot of uh, families before, but never have I seen individuals so dedicated to their personal growth than working with individuals at Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. Because when you take into consideration everything that they have going on in their personal life, and oh, by the way, I want to buy a house so that I can then make a better life for my family, and you see the sacrifices that they put in. You see that when there are, I had a young lady emailing me at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock last night after she had gotten off work, helped her children with her homework, answered, you know, gone to church, um, then she was able to look at her email and figure out where she was in the house buying process. Showed her dedication that although all these other things are going on, kids had to be fed all day long. 
that I'm committed, mm-hmm. I'm dedicated to making sure that my family has a better life by the by, by the decisions that I make now. Yeah. You know, yeah. when when you think about the impact that houses make on the entire entity of life, like you 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 become even more inspired to do more or figure out how can you help more. Yeah. Um, because it all starts at home. They say charity starts at home. Well, charity starts at home. Health starts at home. Education starts at home. There's so many things that kind of start at home. And if, if you don't have a stable place for all these many different things to start at, then you're already starting on a rocky foundation. No doubt. Um, I, I, I go back and I think about my interactions with um, our Head Start parents at my previous employer. And one of the things that I heard counselors say, well, listen, if these children hadn't been fed, if they hadn't had a great night of sleep, if they had had, uh, um, if there is something pertaining to the health that hasn't been addressed, there is no need for me to try to educate them at all. Yeah. Because they're not worried about A, B, C, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out why does my mouth hurt. Yeah. They they are crying because they they're hungry. They're crying because they didn't get a good night's sleep last night. When you start think about the Maslow hierarchy. When you start making sure those fundamental um, levels are security in life, then you can help individuals aspire to, you know, be greater or to achieve more, to be farther educated. But you got to understand that those fundamental things start at home. No doubt. And really the ripple effect uh, that we see with some of your partner families, I love it because you're talking about some of those families being, you know, busy with life and kids and work and church and social and anything they're trying to do. And then add on, we're going to, you know, be a part of this home build and owning a new home and learning what that's all about. But then after that, I mean, just the fact that they've been a part of that process and they've made time for it and made priorities for it. I see that ripple effect take place. The What they're showing their kids right. that they're doing, then what they're in turn doing in the community after they're giving back too. they're helping other people learn what they just learned. Absolutely. It's beautiful. What a beautiful process. And, you know, I go back to uh, one of the trainers I was able to go to in Habitat for Humanity, and it still sends chills down my body on uh, this young lady. Uh, they were at the house, um, the the ribbon cutting for the home, and uh, this young lady grabbed the big, you know, dirty construction manager and said, "Come with me, come with me." And she took the, um, she led him up, dragged him upstairs, as I'm told, to her bedroom. She said, "Look, look, I have my own bedroom now. Now I can go to college." Oh wow, 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 wow! So it's a mindset, a mindset shift mm-hmm. when. When, when when people feel like they're in a new environment, a better environment, yeah. something that's more conducive to what their future goals look like. Mm-hmm. And, and and it all, like I, I keep saying, it, it all starts at home. Yeah, it does. So um, I'm super excited about that. One thing I left out earlier, I talked about the, the need. I talked about the uh, willingness to partner, but the ability to pay. Um, Habitat for Humanity is a nonprofit lender. I'll say that again. <laughs> we want to model the traditional house purchasing process mm-hmm. uh, where individuals put down escrow, right? And then they prepare for a monthly mortgage. If we feel that the household income does not meet what your monthly mortgage is going to look like, then we actually will have you put into our pre-partner family phase just to make sure that you understand that your uh, insurance is going to go up, 
you know, taxes may go up and we would hate to put you in a situation that after, oh, by the way, two years uh, and all this inflation happens, that you won't be able to continue to make those monthly mortgage payments. Right. We really do a great job with vetting that process to make sure that we don't set people up um, for failure, but we're trying to set them up for success. And I love that you're also doing such a great job of because they don't meet that standard to be able to go into immediate partner family and you put them in a pre-partner family, to me, that says, we're also not going to leave you behind. Right. Because you're not there yet. Right. We want to help you get there. We want to help you if you want if you want to be helped. Yeah. You know, um, but that's super important. So after individual after the partner family phase, I mean, you now have the keys and you're paying your monthly mortgage. We don't want you to feel like you're obligated to Habitat for Humanity for the rest of your life because you're now a homeowner and you really can do what you want to do. But we want to continue to be engaged with you. Yeah. When it comes to individuals. Um, being in, in hardship or things happen, events happen in their life or what have you. We want you to understand that we are here for you and to help you uh, navigate this whole system. But you have to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. So we created what we call the Forever Family Program because you will forever be a part of our Habitat family. And we try to host two events a year. Um, one is called the Family Reunion because it's basically bringing all of our families together to be reunited, to talk about what it was to go through the program, to talk about what it what it is they learned post-purchase and um, the highs and lows of housing. Because it is truly we, 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 we want our partner families, the people, our pre-partner families to truly have a clear understanding of what it looks like when you become a homeowner. Um, but it's an it's a, it's an opportunity to inspire the partner families and pre-partner families. But then it also serves as a resource fair. So we want to make sure that individuals uh, keep up their termite bond. We want to make sure that if you need health insurance uh, for uh, your family, that we bring, provide care source. Make sure that care source is there, um, or any other of the um, insurance agencies are there. Um, Geico, Allstate, mm-hmm. uh, some of the community resources like your EOA Savannah. Any any resource that we feel is necessary for our families or through the um, investigation process we do, figuring out what resources are needed yeah. and trying to make sure that at least you have an opportunity to be introduced to this particular resource. Yeah. So we do that in the summertime because it just kind of mirrors what's going on in the family reunion. And then, Who doesn't want to get invited to that family reunion, right, by the way? That sounds like it's probably a really, really, really good time. <laughs> it is. It's going to be the last Saturday in July. Love it. Uh, and we're uh, still love to find a location now. Um, so stay tuned. Yeah, right. And uh, maybe we'll do another podcast all about the family we reunion. We should. I yeah, like it. We should. We should do that. And then we do a conference, a Forever Family Conference. And uh, more than just a quick introduction... And more than just a, a less rally, let's get a little bit more intentional. Um, now that you are a homeowner, um, how are you set, setting up your family for success? Mm-hmm. What does self-sufficiency truly look like for you? If if you if your children are at the age where they're thinking about going to college, you know how are you starting to save for that? Mm-hmm. You know, so it goes beyond the housing purchase, but more or less the the self-sufficiency of the family. Yeah. And it really does touch on those, you know, foundational things all the time, you know, not just the house, but the family and the needs and and as it goes along. And I want to talk to you about one of the great things available to our community, not just families of Habitat, is the ReStore. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. You may have never heard of it, know where it is, but it is wonderful. And I want you to talk a little bit about the ReStore. I remember um, 
in Virginia before we moved here, I had a great relationship with Habitat in Northern Virginia, and it was beautiful. And they had several ReStore stores. And I mean, we constantly had a relationship with them just on a personal level, taking things to them from our house that we were, you know, moving on and getting something else, buying things from them when we needed a new dryer, when we needed a new stove, whatever the case may be, we always went there first. And it is such a beautiful thing that is available to this community that I know is growing here and getting even bigger and better too. So at the corner of Martin Luther King and Gwinnett, on the historic site of Carver State Bank sits the restore of Habitat for Humanity. Um, what you may or may not know is that our administrative office is inside the restore as well. Uh, this is a beautiful opportunity for individuals to offload and pick up mm-hmm. brand new treasures uh, for their home. Um, but I will tell you there are so many different warehouses um, that are donating to Habitat for Humanity. Uh, brand new mattresses, uh, brand new patio furniture, brand new beds and cribs and um, sofas and love seats and all of the different house awares that you may need to go into your house can be found at the restore. One of my board members said, before I go shopping uh, at any retail store, she says, I, uh, I come in the restore first to see Absolutely. <laughs> if it's an opportunity for me to get a steal. Yeah. Uh, because literally there, there are things that would sell on the market for probably about uh, double what it's worth um, at the restore. Mm-hmm. And so it's, 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 it's an opportunity not only for individuals to get what they need, but it's an opportunity for, for the community to to almost pay back into what's going on in the community. And the reason why I say that is because the profits from the restore help us to continue uh, to to build up our coffers for the construction costs mm-hmm. of the home. So um, although while we sell the home to and that mortgage kind of cycles back in, we understand if we're trying to build more homes at, oh, by the way, an elevated price, then it's going to take into an organization like the Restore to kind of continue to be fundraising for us and raising dollars amounts so that we can continue to put out a, a stellar product yeah. uh, for our future homeowners. It's true. And it's such a wonderful resource. I mean, it's just, you're right. I mean, that's that's what you have to do is kind of have in your mind. If you've never been, go, 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 because you're going to love it. But then you'll have in your mind after that, Oh, you know, we're remodeling our house. We need three new toilets. You can find them there. I can tell you that right now. We did, you know, I mean, toilets, carpet, yeah, um, refrigerator, stove, hood vent, um, uh, baseboards, just about anything you <laughs> just can think about of. anything you can think of, even some of the smaller things like pillows yeah. and uh, light fixtures, etc. Yeah, you is it, and it's truly and it's one gentleman. I think his name is Greg. He comes in every day and he's like, "Hey, I'm just coming to see what y'all got today." Exactly. Because every day is something new. Yeah. Every day is something new. Really nice desks from SCAD and people who are renovating their offices. Um, there are endless possibilities uh, in that race store. No doubt about it. Um, we're gonna wrap things up here in just a minute. I always like to uh, kind of do some Savannah favorites at the end, so we're gonna we're gonna get to that in just a second. But okay. before we get to that, I want to mention, you know, if you see a Habitat uh, event going on, don't hesitate. Go be a part of it because it will 
touch your heart. It will give you joy. Um, like I said, you know, we said at the beginning, we met each other at the Hops for Habitat event. Um, but I've seen you guys doing so many things and just jump in as a community member and be a part of it because it feels good. Absolutely. And if I could, I would like to put a plug. Stay tuned June 9th. It's going to be the morning of June 9th. It will be our annual meeting. And at this annual meeting, we will go over um, some of our um, successes and some of the things that we didn't do as well over the past two years with the pandemic and what we hope to do in our fiscal year of 2023. Uh, we're doing it uh, June 9th, and and you will find more information on our website at HabitatSavannah.org. Yeah, I really feel like Habitat has such a... Uh a big part of the heartbeat here in Savannah and I feel it and I see you guys everywhere and I love it. And I feel like the community is behind you. Um, so I know it's just going to keep growing and keep being good. And I'm glad that we met and glad that we're partnering together and, and really just making things happen here and, and seeing it grow together. Cause it's, it's so important that we all get our hands in there and just help each other out. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dee, for this time. Absolutely. So Savannah Favorites. Savannah Favorites. Let's get to it. Okay. Um, final lightning round. Um, but <laughs> seriously, uh, we, we got a few Savannah Favorites for you. Now, you lived in Savannah for a time Correct. and then left and then came back. Correct. And here you are again. If you were to sing karaoke in a place in Savannah, where would it be? McDonald's. Whoa, there it is, right out of the gate. <laughs> yes, sir. Listen, I never forget uh, after a gala. Uh, I can't remember if it was 100 Black Men or whatever it was. But for whatever reason, I was, you know, this is my first stint. And I had a purple velvet blazer. And I wear it every now and then now. But uh, I walked into McDonald's. He was like, you've got to sing Purple Rain. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know. Please tell me you did. I know the chorus yes. very well, yes. but <laughs> I can't quite get with Prince on on, on his on verses. verses. yeah. But I tried my best. Yes. <laughs> and it was a success. So. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to need to see some video of Perfect. that. I don't know if anybody took video. Uh, it, it was such a moment. Like, I didn't have time to really prepare. He was just like, you've got to you got to do it. Purple Rain. And I was like, okay, let's do it. That's a perfect place to do it. Uh, no doubt about it. And a perfect jacket to do it in. So, I'm um, sorry that we all don't get to see that video. But, um, wow, great answer. And would have been my same answer, too, by the way. So, um, yeah, there's been some late nights at McDonald's. But, uh, on with that. Favorite restaurant in Savannah all time restaurant all-time favorite restaurant would have to be Belfort's oh yes uh, I love the uh, Creole flavors um, it's just enough food the atmosphere in Belfort's is phenomenal mm. and so I absolutely like if anybody comes to town it was like there we're gonna eat at Belfort's after f almost five years now of uh, being in and out of Savannah I have yet to go to Belfort. Really? Yes. Put it on your bucket list. I will. Please do. I keep passing it and saying that and like, oh my gosh, we have to go there. But I have not gone. So that was a great recommendation. <laughs> Good recommendation. Do you have a favorite square in uh, in downtown? Uh, I, I have. I will say this. I do not have a favorite square. But hard to pick too, you know, and that's what I was going to get get to. Um, being a part of the uh, Metro Rotary Club, we started this thing that I guess they re, they're reviving uh, what they call the twenty two squares, and so typically we meet every other Tuesday, 
Um, and sometimes every other Tuesday falls on a fifth Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So if it falls on a fifth Tuesday at lunch, we bring snacks, we bring our lunch or whatever, and have a time where we could just talk or what have you. And I've been able to really explore the beauty of each square. Mm. Um, and, and the funny thing is, is that um, Anjali King with the city of Savannah, uh, uh, no, uh, Visit Savannah, was telling me about how the squares were made up where, you know, there were uh, tithers. Uh, on the outside and then communities, yes. community uh, uh, um, organizations in the middle. And then the square was where, where everybody could, you know, meet together and kind of fellowship, sell their goods, et cetera. And, and, and now processing all of that really gives me more of an appreciation for the squares in Savannah. I've never seen a place like it before. And to see some of that same thing going on where people meet and gather and socialize and fellowship in the square and bring their products sometimes to the square and right. you see a lot of art going on and do. it's beautiful to, to realize that's how it was made and look at us still fulfilling that yeah. same obligation and, and what is the square right in front of um city hall i believe that's on bull street yes you know what i'm talking about there's a there's a gentleman there who always has amazing artwork oh yes and i can't um, remember the name of that square but yes yes it's beautiful and, and chippewa square is beautiful ellis mm-hmm. square i love the community aspect oh, of it me too and when they put in the water fountains or what uh, the um what do, you, what do you call it? not the water fountains what is it called um, the, the the big ones that come out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and to see the kids See those play. kids? Oh, my God. <laughs> love that. Yeah. I fell in love with Ellis Square uh, when we were staying at the Andaz okay. years and years ago. And and then I got to see Savannah do, I think, the first Pride event right there at, that ended in Ellis Square. They had done the parade. and I bet that was a sight to see. It was just packed full of people and and it was amazing to see all those people and the celebration that was going on with that it just the way people celebrate in ellis square is just beautiful it's such a it is it just it's it's almost like a a center yes Uh, for a while back in i'm dating myself back in college everything was done on river street Mm -hmm. and now it seems like people are starting to shift from the river like to that ellis square city market area Um, and even farther now, you know, I, they have really beefed up um, the Starland district. So good. And uh, it's just like, it is such a beautiful city. It's, it's really, it would re- be really hard for me to say my perfect, my favorite square, what my favorite square would be, because it's, there's so many things they've done with downtown and revitalization. And speaking of River Street, favorite spot on River Street? Favorite spot on River Street. Ooh, a new place. It's called The Nest. It's at the top of the cotton sale. Oh. Right before you get to Top Deck. Have not been there. It is super eclectic. Uh, the choice of music is amazing. Um, it, it gives you that new city vibe, but it also respects the history of Savannah. For yeah, me. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just, it just seemed like it's like the... Our past and our future collides. I love that. Right at the nest. I feel like we do that a lot here. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. And when a restaurant, a bar, uh, anything, uh, you know, can a store, a new business can get that merging, you know, in, in their feel and their vibe, I think it's just a beautiful thing because that's what we are here. I right. mean, we, we are bringing the past, appreciating the past looking at the future and feeling the present and all coming together in one. I love how you put that together. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. That's why they put me on this side of the mic. <laughs> Zarek, I'm so glad we met. I'm so glad we did this. And I, I love what you're doing at Habitat. I love your heart for this community. And I, I look forward to seeing what you guys are doing for the rest of the year. Indeed. Thank you so much for inviting me. 